The Greek philosopher Archimedes said, Give me a place to stand and a lever long enough, and I will move the world. If you take Archimedes' words literally, he says you can accomplish far more with the right tools than through brute force efforts. And we all know that. That's why we pound nails with hammers instead of our bare hands. He is telling us to work smarter, not just harder. But Archimedes' words can apply beyond the physical. Some actions and mindsets can act as levers that multiply your efforts many times. What if I could tell you that there is an idea you could use to multiply your ministry efforts? A lever you could use as you try to accomplish God's purpose in your life. A tool that could increase your effectiveness a hundredfold and maybe more. This week, we come to the third and final part of the Apostle Paul's Masterclass in Ministry in Acts chapter 18 and discover the lever he used to multiply his efforts and accelerate the church's growth. Join Vicki Hitzkiss, Kent Edwards, and Nathan Norman and learn the lever you can use to multiply the effectiveness of the ministry God has entrusted to you. Welcome to Crosstalk, a Christian podcast whose goal is for us to encourage each other to not only increase our knowledge of the Bible, but to take the next step beyond information into transformation. Our goal is to bring the Bible to life, into all our lives. I'm Brian French. Today, Dr. Kent Edwards, Vicki Hitzkiss, and Nathan Norman continue their discussion through the book of Acts. And if you have a Bible handy, turn to Acts chapter 18, verses 18 to 28, as we join their discussion. Vicki, Nathan, can you remember a time when you felt overwhelmed by a task that you were given? Never. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I need to hang out with you more. Uh, always adequate for whatever comes your way. <laughs> whatever comes my way. I'll tell you something that's got me now. At Thanksgiving, I was telling people at the dinner table about AI, and nobody'd heard of it. Mm -hmm. And I had just bought something called creator.ai. And I mean, nobody'd heard of it. And uh, there was a, a famous writer at the table, and she said, as long as you can write, you'll always have a job. I bet you she doesn't have a job by the end of the year. Oh. Like chat GPT, that kind of thing. Right. And I was ahead of the curb, and now I think, <laughs> I mean curve, uh, but I, um, and now I think, boy, I better get on the stick and really learn chat GPT. Yeah, technology is overwhelming. I am, of course, at that point in life where I am now getting older and saying, I don't understand <laughs> the new technology coming out, right? And so I didn't make fun of people who didn't get technology too badly when I was younger. And I'm glad that I didn't because I'm I'm rapidly approaching that area as Vicky's sharing here, where it's like, oh, this is it's this is hard to keep up. Overwhelming. It is. It is. You know. And I was talking to some of the young adults at my church, and they and they were talking about, oh yeah, TikTok, TikTok, TikTok. And I've been resisting getting on TikTok forever, and I'm like, oh. right. I guess the Chinese are going to have access to all my data now. <laughs> if I want to be relevant, if I want to have my uh, finger on the pulse of culture. Uh, but yeah, I mean, 
technology is certainly overwhelming. I've, um, in the process of moving, that is overwhelming. Moving mm-hmm. isn't just a day. Oh my goodness. It's months, right? You, you spend yeah, weeks is. packing up and then, and, and throwing things out. And then you mm-hmm. spend weeks unpacking and realizing your stuff doesn't quite fit in the area. So you have to rearrange to, or having get, to fix up the house or paint yes. it or something. Yes. I mean, <laughs> And uh, so I, I've been here in New York for, I don't know, about two and a half months. And I, every every week, someone will go, oh, oh how, you guys all settled in? No, we're not settled in. <laughs> <laughs> and you got kids to worry about, too. Right, right. And it's uh, it, it's a lot. It's overwhelming. It, there are times where it's absolutely overwhelming. And you play the game of uh, if you give a mouse a cookie, if you're familiar with that children's book, mm-hmm. you give a mouse a cookie, mm-hmm. you know, and it turns this whole progression of things. Well, so it goes, oh, okay, I want to remove uh, this little pile of junk here. Oh, but before I do that, I have to move this other pile right. so that I have a place to, I got to take out the trash. But before I do, it's this whole progression. And before you know it, you're doing 30 tasks just to move one pile of something. <laughs> yes, it's overwhelming. So yes, life can be overwhelming. Can ministry be overwhelming? Oh, absolutely. I, I, I remember, well, I won't tell you who it was, but I know somebody, and I said, what surprises you about ministry? She was a pastor's wife. And she said, I never thought I wouldn't like the people in my church. Mm. Yeah, that's hard. That is hard. I know I have a friend who is in law enforcement, and he wears his Christian faith on his sleeve. Mm-hmm. And so as he's making traffic stops, as he's arresting people, uh, he will try and speak hope to them and he will offer to pray for them. I mean, obviously, if they say mm-hmm. no, he he doesn't, but uh, he'll offer them hope and he offers them direction. And and there's times where he's shared stories of just horrible tragedies, usually involving kids or or uh, or a parent. And and you're at a loss. It's just absolutely overwhelming. What do you say to a child who's just lost their parent in a horrific way? What do you say to a, mm-hmm. uh, a parent who's, uh, whose child just died? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it's absolutely overwhelming. And, you know, if you're a lay person in a church and you're leading a small group, you not only have to balance family and work responsibilities, but now you're shepherding those people. And... Uh, you have four, five, six people in your group. You've got four, five, six lives that that you are entering and ministering to, and juggling all those things can be overwhelming. I would think. Yeah, Archimedes said that with the right tool, we could accomplish what seems to be impossible. I guess I'm thinking as I look at ministry, and it, ministry gets more and more complicated. The the more people that we're whose lives we touch. Is there some ministry tool that could help us accomplish the impossible? Well, we're, this is the final look at Masterclass in Ministry from the Apostle Paul. Let's look at the tool that he suggests that we use. He's already taught us the importance of humility and courage. Let's see what the Apostle has for us today. A few chapters ago, Paul was given his ministry through Ananias. Do you remember that, Vicki? Oh, you want me to read it? Absolutely. But the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. (laughs) Uh, Think of the magnitude of this job assignment that God has just given him. 
I mean, it's absolutely overwhelming. Uh, how could anyone accomplish this assignment? You can't. It's too much. It's too big. Right. If you said, oh, I'm going to use this guy to go share the gospel with uh, with this the synagogue. OK, right. <laughs> with this uh, with this school. OK, that's hard, but uh, I'll try. That is, that is hard. But to the Gentiles, my golly, <laughs> right. everyone world, who's right? not Jewish. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't this remind you a little bit of the Great Commission? Just go into all the world and preach the gospel. Uh, Don't be satisfied with just your neighborhood or your state or your country or your continent. No, go into all the world. It's an overwhelming assignment. So it's interesting to see how Paul responds to this challenge. It's obvious, as we've gone through the book of Acts, that Paul gets busy personally. I mean, as we've seen in past weeks, He's going from city to city on his missionary journeys, meeting with Jews in the synagogues and Gentiles and their settings. But he doesn't just do that. Look at what else he does. In chapter 18, verse 2, what do we read? It says, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth, where he met a Jew named Aquila, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius, the Roman emperor, had ordered all Jews to leave Rome. Hmm. I don't think this is an accidental meeting. I think uh, that Priscilla and Aquila were Christians before they met Paul. And that if their actions in the chapters to come are any indication, they were, as the theologian F.F. Bruce suggests, foundational members of the Roman church. So they were Christians in Rome who were um, had positions of some distinction in that church, who were forced to exit. And as we have seen previously, Priscilla and Aquila and Paul were all tent makers, so they went into business together. Why did Paul decide to work with them? Well, what do you think they were doing when they were making tents? Oh, I think this is all cool, because obviously Paul made tents, and so he Mm -hmm. meets these other Christians, and he loved the fellowship. So they'd all be talking about work. They'd be talking about the Lord. He, right. Paul would be talking about Scripture and how Jesus was the Messiah of the Old Testament. And they'd all be talking about ministry. That's good partnership. Yeah. And I think Paul was strategic in saying these are quality people. Mm-hmm. They, have, they know the Lord. They've demonstrated a faithfulness and desire to uh, share the gospel and work with and, and help the church expand. And so (laughs) he found this opportunity to work and talk and build into their lives. What's he doing with them, Nathan? Uh, He's reproducing himself. He's, He's getting them prepared to do his ministry and take it over in the same philosophy of ministry that he's doing it in. Yeah. He's building into their lives so that they can join him in doing ministry. He's not just doing it solo. And Paul's investment in this quality couple paid off, didn't it? It says in verse 18, he stayed in Corinth for some time, and then he left the brothers and sisters and sailed for Syria, accompanied by Priscilla and Aquila. They Hmm. arrived at Ephesus, where Paul left Priscilla and Aquila, set sail for Ephesus, and then went down to Antioch. So he built into their lives in Corinth, took them with him to Ephesus, and then left them in charge of the church. 
Paul entrusted the, the, the church of Ephesus to them. Why? This is after spending some time in Antioch. Paul set out from there and traveled from place to place throughout the region of Galatia. And I was so proud of myself for knowing all these pronunciations. And then I get to this one. <laughs> Help me out here, Nathan. Phrygia. Phrygia. Yeah. Strengthening all the disciples. So he left them there in charge of that church and he could go back. But, but he was going out like a satellite would strengthening all the churches from that place right from antioch so he took these people that he had mentored left them in that church so he didn't have to stay there so he could multiply his ministry by going on to other places is it possible for any of us to be in two places at once that'd be great that would be great but no well the way no. he did it kind of sorta because yeah they they were there serving his spot, if you will, and then he he went out and created more people. I would bet wherever he was going. Yeah, we can be in two places at once if we reproduce ourselves in others. And what will happen if we do so again? Hmm, then there's more and more and more and more. I like that. It keeps growing and growing and growing. Right? It's like yeast. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Have you known pastors or lay people whom God has clearly gifted that have tried to do their ministry solo? Oh, yes. <laughs> oh. oh, my goodness. Okay, so we had, back when I was in Northern Michigan, we had this pastor come in, he was a church planner, and man, everything had to be his idea. And so he would spend an inordinate amount of time just doing tasks. Like, for example, he wanted to do a mailer, right? And there's companies that you can pay to send out a mailer and mm -hmm. you can uh, and they'll go through the list with you and they'll go. You, you, I want this kind of demographic person. I don't want this kind of demographic person. I want kids, uh, families with children under 10. I want families with children over 10. Right. You can go through all the demographics. I want these locations, not these locations to get the mailers. Well, and it's pretty simple. I've done it multiple times. It takes you like maybe an hour out of your life. Uh, and no, no, he had to invest in uh, this. Um, oh, and you can send your stuff out to print shops. They can print your stuff. They can mail it right from the print shop. No, no, no. Wow. He had to invest in a high, uh, high cost printer and come in and do all their graphic design himself. Not that he was a graphic designer. And okay. he went and bought all of these mailing lists and he was making the labels himself and applying for, you know, grants. I, I mean, oh my goodness, he spent in like incalculable hours doing what should have taken him an hour of time and energy to do. Um, and we kept saying, Hey, we'll do this. We'll give you a grant. We'll help you. You know, you know, like, Nope, 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 Nope. And unfortunately, like he just, he got so frustrated with the ministry. He quit. Wow. And shut the church down. Wow. And that's just not true for pastors, but, uh, lay people as well. right. Don't people who have their ministry, have you ever seen some of them try to do it all alone? I used to do that when I first started in business. Well, I first started in television and then I went into public relations and it was insecurity and mm -hmm. also the feeling that I know what I'm doing. Nobody else can do it. Mm -hmm. And then I was so blessed. I worked with this fun, secure writer and she would work with me and she would write and she was a good writer and I would work with her and she'd go, oh, that's a good idea. <laughs> and 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 I would watch her work with me, and it kind of freed me up. And 
as she would affirm me, it made me feel free to think, oh, your idea is good. Your idea is good. And now when I work with somebody, I, I can say, that's a good idea. And it does, I don't think oh, it's got to be my idea, you know, and, <laughs> and, and I worked with a decorator the same way, designer, they call it now. But um, she didn't always have to have her design. She'd say, oh, that's a wonderful idea, Vicki. Or, or she would just, she would, she was wonderful when she hated my idea. She'd go, that's <laughs> a great idea. And then she'd keep walking. <laughs> and I knew it wasn't, so I'd call her back and I'd say, why isn't that a good idea? So I learned. And, uh, this is how actually Vicky tells us when we have bad ideas here. She's oh, I know. so, so pleasant about it. And you're like, wow, she hates this, but I feel good about myself. <laughs> oh, you're so gracious to say I'm pleasant. I am so abrupt. I'm like, here, that didn't work. <laughs> but, but now I've gotten to a point where I just want it right. So just tell me. But, right. So right. certainly we all benefit from collaboration. Yes. We can all benefit from the input of others, but especially if we mentor and release people into ministry. I mean, if we can do that, then we can, that's a lever that we can use to multiply our efforts. For Paul, how did things work out in Ephesus? Paul took the risk to leave the church in the hands of Priscilla and Aquila. Did that work out? Well, there was a problem. Uh-oh. No, that's too bad. <laughs> Verse 24. That's too bad. A Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, which is in Egypt, came to Ephesus. He was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with great fervor, speaking boldly in the synagogue and teaching about Jesus accurately, though he knew only the baptism of John. Huh. So what was the problem? Oh, he had a superstar, but he was theologically off. Yeah, so he wasn't totally wrong, but it was uh, an incomplete theology, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, so what would you think? I mean, Priscilla and Aquila, they're just lay people in the church and without formal education, certainly not the kind of education the Apostle Paul w had. What would, they, what would people like that typically do when faced with a great preacher with an incomplete theology? Well, sometimes they defer to the leader, right? We think... Right. We mistaking we mistake the gifts for the character or the ability of the person, right? So he has some raw gifting talent and way better right. than them, right? So right. oh, so they they just defer. So you might think they might do that. They might run to Paul, right? Send him an email or whatever the equivalent would be. Send send a runner. Come back. We need help. There's this superstar. We don't know what to do, but he doesn't know everything. Right. He doesn't know so, what he doesn't know. You know. So we think often that if. If you don't have all the letters behind your name and the qualifications that uh, others have, that you would punt to someone else. Uh, ignore or punt. Mm -hmm. But what did they do? Verse 26. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately. Wow. So what did they do? <laughs> they solved the problem, right? right? <laughs> Imagine that. They, well, and it's, it's so crazy because I can't overemphasize this enough. I've done ministry in uh, New York, California, Michigan, and so the three different demographics uh, of uh, the United States. And in all places, man, when there's issues like this, people have meetings and they're like, <laughs> how can we possibly 
figure this out. I remember there's an old Saturday Night Live sketch called It's Pat. And the whole joke was, I mean, it's it's totally not politically correct now, but the whole joke was, is Pat a man or a woman? Right. And so the the sketch goes on and on and on. And finally, one of the characters goes, well, it's it's been like, you know, six months we've been d- stranded on this desert island. I finally formulated a question to figure out if Pat's a man or a woman. Right? <laughs> and then it cuts to the scene. Hey, Pat, are you a man or a woman? <laughs> and, <laughs> And it's so obvious, right? But but so many people they'll they'll do they'll have a, a board meeting. What do we do about this? Well, we can we can make the entire church go through an educational thing and uh, and make sure that Apollos is in there and that he hears the section on on baptism, believers' baptism, right? And and the Holy Spirit. We got to train uh, on that too. And it's like, okay, why are you punishing the entire church for one person? Uh, just <laughs> go to the person directly and gently say, hey, this is a problem. We need to work it out and and let me correct the issue. And it's it's so brilliant and it's so obvious, but but I've I've been in churches in California, Michigan, and New York where they just don't do it. it, it let's hire a private eye. No, no. <laughs> let's have a direct conversation. Yeah. Well, but it, they, it's it speaks to Apollos maturity yes. that he listened to them too. Mm-hmm. Some people would be resistant. They must have handled it very well. Kind of like my friend Jamie with me. She was lovely <laughs> to me. Um, yeah, good point. Why were they able to solve this problem? What gave them the courage and confidence to do that? Probably because they had had the very same thing happen to them. Of course. And Paul went to them. I think they were talking mending tents, and they came up with, uh, said something, and Paul gently said, "Uh, let me flush that out and redirect that slightly. And as he did that to them, as he mentored them, then they became equipped to mentor others. (laughs) And not only that, um, what did they do with Apollos? They turned around and mentored him as well. Yeah. I mean, and did it work? It says in 27, when Apollos wanted to go to Achaia, the brothers and sisters encouraged him and wrote to the disciples there to welcome him. And when he arrived, he was a great help to those who had believed, for he vigorously refuted his Jewish opponents in public debate, proving from the scriptures that Jesus was the Messiah. Proving from the scriptures, so he'd been mentored well. Right. He had a great ministry in Ephesus, but it got even better because of the how they mentored him when he arrived in present-day Corinth. How effective was his ministry there? Nathan, you know this from what we read in Corinthians. Well, the Corinthians thought that Apollos was way better preacher than Paul. (laughs) Oh, that's right. And then they start fighting over it. So Paul mentored Priscilla and Aquila so they could, he could multiply his ministry through them. And Priscilla and Aquila then mentored Apollos, and it further multiplied his ministry, so much so that some thought he was even a better preacher than Paul himself. Wow, now that's a letter. And he probably was. He probably was. He probably was. Paul didn't dispute that fact, Mm -hmm. right? (laughs) No. (laughs) He just said it doesn't matter who's better. (laughs) (laughs) As long as we're all working together using our gifts to expand the kingdom of God. What's the secret sauce of Christian ministry? Well, it's mentoring others. It's discipling others intentionally. It's that uh, that lever uh, Brian was talking about of Archimedes. Right, because God has gifted everyone, everyone for ministry. 
Everyone has the uh, Holy Spirit working within them in a specific way for them to expand the kingdom. And if we try to do ministry ourselves, we limit the impact we have for Christ. It's kind of like those old families where, you know, they have, I don't know, 10 children and I've got three and I'm like, okay, you know, that's, that's just, that's too much. I don't know how they can manage that. But, but if you read through their literature, what happens is the older children are trained to take care of the younger children and all the tasks Mm -hmm. that have to happen. And so it's not just the parents doing everything. It's, it's them teaching their children how to take care of uh, their siblings. And then when the kids become parents, then they're phenomenal parents already. They're not going, what do I do? What do I do? No, because they've already been trained how to take care of other children. And then they can pass that along. That's that's how that happens in modern day age, which, you know, I'm a product of. <laughs> I'm over here like, ah, you know, <laughs> I got to do a better job of discipling my children how to load the dishwasher. <laughs> so, Vicki, what do we need to do to apply the, this passage? Well, ideally, we find, and this isn't all that easy, but we find quality, good people who have gifts that God can use. Right, because that's what Paul did with Priscilla and Aquila, Mm -hmm. right? And then what do we do with them? Spend time with them, tell them, show them what effective ministry looks like, love Mm -hmm. them, build into them. And then when they're ready, entrust them to do the work of ministry. Keep our hands off of them, encourage them when they need it, and set them free. That's right. Uh, let them do ministry now that they are equipped. It doesn't all have to be about us. It's about equipping others. That's the lever that we use to expand our ministry. Nathan, I think you did this in your pastorate in Michigan, didn't you? Yes, and what's hard about it is it takes time. That's what Vicky yeah. just said. It takes time. And with ministry, there's so much to do and or so many possibilities of things that need to be done. It is incredibly hard to then sit and say, okay, let me take time. So our church transitioned to a, uh, an elder led church years ago. And when we started doing elder meetings, I said, okay, we're going to spend the first half of our meeting. It usually was like 45 minutes to an hour of the meeting, just kind of going through some literature, a book that we'd found on uh, eldership and training them on how to lead the church. And oh my goodness, it was like there were so many things the church had to do, right? We had outreach, we had fires burning, right? We had, you know, all sorts of issues and it was it was so hard to just stop and say, we're going to take the first time, the first bit of time that we have and train, uh, train ourselves and, uh, and work together. And it, the results, uh, you know, were incredible when I, my, our listeners might not know, but I uh, resigned from that position several mm-hmm. months ago. I accept a call in New York. And uh, it was very hard, still is very hard leaving those relationships mm-hmm. behind. But mm-hmm. but the ministry, I'm not leaving the ministry behind. I mean, they're just such high quality leaders in place. And I haven't been checking up on them, but I know that they're doing well because some of them were far better at their, their tasks in ministry <laughs> areas than I was. <laughs> Uh, and so it's, it's amazing and it's comforting to know I could leave and the church will uh, continue on and flourish. Yeah. And that's what you have done in that church in Michigan. And I know what you'll do in New York. Uh, that's what we really do at Crosstalk Global, isn't it? I mean, our whole purpose is to not try to instruct the whole world, but to find gifted, godly people in every culture 
that right. we can give the skills to, to how to understand and communicate the Bible and then release them to train others, to find others who can train others, who can train others. We will never accomplish God's purpose to go into all the world and make disciples of all the nations unless we use the leverage that God has given us with the multiple gifted people in the, in the family of God. It's so easy to be consumed in ministry of whatever kind by doing it all ourselves. But Nathan, I think we need to follow your example and set aside time and make a priority of not just doing the ministry, but equipping others to do that. If we do that, we've got a lever that can change the world. What will happen when we equip others to do the work of the ministry? Our efforts will multiply, and the church will grow, and its growth will accelerate. I trust that today's discussion of God's Word has been helpful and served as an encouragement to not just be hearers of the Word, but doers. Together, let's bring God's Word to life, to our lives this week. The Crosstalk Podcast is a production of Crosstalk Global, equipping biblical communicators so every culture hears God's voice. To find out more, or to support the work of this ministry, please visit www.crosstalkglobal.org. You can also help support this show by sharing it on your social media and telling your friends. Tune in next Friday as we continue our discussion through the book of Acts. Be sure to join us. <laughs>